Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. My name is Marilyn Shannon, and this is the Breaking Free Show. And as always, I am delighted to have you join us today. We are in Raleigh, North Carolina, and it is a beautiful day. And I hope the same for you, wherever you are, that it's a beautiful day in your neighborhood. And as always, we love to bring you wonderful guests that are here to inspire us, teach us, help us grow, learn, so that we can be the master of our own lives. And that's the point. And before we get started with our guests, I just want to say hello to Amnon, who is our producer. Hey there. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. How was your weekend? Weekend was nice. Wasn't it a gorgeous yes, it weekend? Was. We was. worked outside. We did beautiful. a lot. It was it was good. Yeah, and when we, listen, we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, so it gets pretty hot here. And when there is a little breeze and, and, you, and the sun is out and it's gorgeous and it's glistening, I mean, that's a really nice day, right? Yep. And cool. that's what it was. And it was a really nice day. And now day. we're going to pay for it. All week is going to be hot, hot, cloudy, and raining. Oh, no. I'm not. I, well, it's okay. It's all right. So listen. So we welcome you to call in, to uh, Skype in with us, to chat with us in our uh, chat window so that anytime during the show you have a question, you have a comment, you are more than welcome to participate because we love an open participation. So let me tell you how you do that. So next to our window where the video is, you can put your name, nickname, whatever you like, and you can become part of our chat so you can engage with those in there if you like. And then you can always, during the show, call in to 919-518-9773, or you can Skype in with us at computers, that's plural, the number 2K voice, anytime during the show. And I will repeat this information as we go forward, but it's on, uh, it's on the website that you're watching the show. So please feel free to contact us anytime you want, because if you're listening and you have a question, let's get it answered, because this is an opportunity. So let's take it. So um, I want to introduce my guest to you today, Greg Warburton, and I hope I pronounced that correctly. Greg is a sports psychologist and author. He specializes in EFT, which we're going to discuss in a minute, and he is all about asking questions, which is my love. I don't think we ask enough questions. I think we make too many assumptions, and we don't dig enough. So he works with kids. He works with parents. Uh, I think it's fabulous. And I'm going to introduce Greg to you and bring him on our stage. Hey, Greg. Good morning, Marilyn. How are you? I'm good. Good. Where good. are you? Where are you, Greg? I am in Corvallis, Oregon. Uh, oh, that's nice, huh? And I play around with the pronunciation of Oregon. Oh, you do? Why? Because a lot of people say Oregon in instead of Oregon. <laughs> How long have you been there? About 30 oh, okay. years in, okay. in this little university town. Okay. And where are you from originally? I grew up in South Idaho. Okay. A state cool. that some people have heard of. Yeah. It's a pretty rural part of the world, and um, they're known for potatoes and sugar beets. Yes, when I think of Idaho, I think of potatoes, too. <laughs> so <laughs> but great. also beautiful mountains. It High is, mountain huh? country. And, and Oregon must be beautiful, too, huh? Absolutely. Good. We're over near the Oregon coast, and so it's lush and green. Lovely. So tell us about <clears throat> Greg. I what, what I want people to know is I have spent the last 30, 35 years working with kids and teens and families as a mental health counselor. And my interest is always on self-reliance. So how can I help young people? How can I help parents become more self-reliant as they navigate this very rapidly changing world? So later in my career, I have chosen to compile some of my ideas which i've been told are practical and useful and write and put them into a couple of books in the last two or three years with the intention being wanting to teach and reach as many people as i can around the world focusing on what i call mental and emotional self-management skill training what that means for me is these are skills they're not taught in the classroom, they're not taught on the athletic field, and they're not typically taught at home. 
though they're certainly learnable, they're not revolutionary, they're just applying some of the ideas and values that we already hold into how-to practices. So we're going to get into some of that, but why are, since they're not that unusual, based on some of what you're saying, why are we not already doing it? It's a fair question. And I think what happens is that people don't know what to do. So, for example, with athletes of all ages, they're told to be mentally tough, keep your emotions off the field, and play with confidence. And so it, that is advice that's useful, and then often the practice breaks down because they don't know what to do, how to do it. The same thing happens with parenting or teaching or counseling in that same arena where for parents, I kind of talk about being in the bind of the three practice parent who tells, reminds, and then yells if the reminders didn't work. Mm -hmm. And when those skills don't work, then people feel out, they start to feel a little bit out of control, actually, and not sure what to do. And then things become emotional, and we're not able to think and decide clearly. Yes, it's, it's a challenging time. I know I am a business and life coach, and I work with families, couples, you know, businesses. I'm a mediator, and I will often tell parents that are in conflict or having issues with their kids, you know, we talk about staying the course of parenting. You know, that's one container. You know, you can't leave the container of parenting. Whatever else you do, you've got to stay in that container. You have to be the parent, period. Absolutely. And in my model, my view, it's then how. Exactly. And They'll so, ask, how do I stay the course? What do I do? So it's that piece of what of what do I do that is confusing because the, there's so many options. So talk to us some about your recipe. <clears throat> in the arena of parenting, my recipe is... The book uh, I've written recently and published, Ask More, Tell Less, which I'm calling a practical guide for helping children achieve self-reliance. And the starting place then is to ask questions of children and teens. But what I'm talking about is not the why question necessarily. We don't necessarily have to know why, even though we want to. I'm talking about quality questions, which cause children to think and decide for themselves as opposed to a question like what's wrong what's wrong with you why can't you how come you never when will you ever so we're talking about a shift to questions that are geared toward understanding your child's decisions and behavior better mm -hmm. when they'll ask answer those kinds of questions then they help guide the parents on what to do next. For example, with young children, a very useful question over my years, and it's also the idea of raising a dilemma, and it's stop provoking is to ask the question of a young child, have you made up your own mind? Do you plan to get on with growing up or growing down? And then we fill in the blank with, with homework or with chores or with sharing or with making friends. So it's simply asking the question instantly puts or sheds light on an issue that may be happening. So right off the bat, what, I'm, what I think I'm hearing from you, and you can you know, correct me <clears throat> if I'm wrong or add to whatever, is it's, it's about helping the, our children feel responsible for what they're doing. It's absolutely about self-responsibility, and, and we can teach that, and one way to set the stage for that is to ask the kinds of questions I'm talking about and writing about. Mm -hmm. So I noticed on your website, which I love the quote that you have there, that you said was from a four-year-old, growing, yes. growing up is a promise you can promise yourself. Yes, I, I still remember and can see that young child because the other thing that's fascinating and marvelous is that young people, when the stage is set with those kinds of questions, are really able to have an unshakable belief in their ability to think and decide for themselves and, and be resilient and bounce back 
from challenges they face all along the growing up pathway. So do you see children today different than a generation before? Yes, I think that times are much more challenging. That's why I'm really focused on self-reliance nowadays. Self-reliance just simply meaning that inner knowing that I can handle the things that happen to me in my life. And so I think because we, this generation, there are not clear measures of how a child knows when they're being successful at being honest or sharing or taking responsibility, etc. So a lot of those still common values were not clear and they're not clear signs in our social cultures mm -hmm. to know when you're meeting the goal and you're getting on with growing up in, in my playful language with kids. So there's a lot to talk about, but a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I had a, a, an event and invited a professor from one of our universities who, who works a lot with millennials. And I, uh, I'd love to discuss some of that with you as well, but one of the things that, one of the conversations that came up from several of the, especially the women, because that was mostly who was there, the women in the audience was how so often regardless of what happens with kids playing soccer or they're playing this, nobody loses. Everybody wins. You know, no matter where they are, everybody's congratulated for trying, for this, for that. What's your philosophy about that? Well, <clears throat> that's... I've thought about that and watched that, and I, my philosophy is to pay attention to the children and by asking questions, so... My inclination would be the starting place for me is always asking. So I don't know for sure. What I do think in, in younger children is that they'd be supported for the effort rather than winning or dominating in sport, for example. At the same time, I think you can ask them what's one or two things they like about everybody being congratulated about there not being any losers. Would they like it to be a bit more challenging, etc. So I can begin to kind of be like an investigative reporter and mm -hmm. be curious and understand how they are impacted with the current practices of nobody loses, everyone's supposed to feel good. So do you believe that everybody not supposed to feel good, but if the opportunity is there for people to feel okay, better or good, then we should take that opportunity. We can't control how somebody feels, but should we create an environment where the opportunity is there? We absolutely can do that, and I absolutely support that in terms of, in young children, identity formation about them being self-responsible and self-honest and confident and self-reliant. Those moments can be supported, and one way I do that and write about is vig being vigilant with praise, not taking any behaviors for granted. So I have a chapter in my book that I titled "Praise: The Power of Praise Revisited, a full formula. And so part of that is praising children, being specific with praise, we know that, but catching those moments and choosing to interact with your child when they're being successful and doing things right and well, rather than the practice that we're too busy, so we wait to interact with them too often when there's a trouble spot. Mm -hmm. And so we're just vigilantly looking for opportunity to support them and honor them in what they are accomplishing. So that is, so, okay, so that it isn't, okay, so I saw when I asked you the question about, you know, the kids playing sports, I saw you have a smile on your face. <laughs> So I, sm I smile, too, because I wonder, now I've seen these, these women in particular, and I know they love their children, and but why, are people so, why are people so think it's so wrong to build an environment that's kind and nurturing? Why do people think that if you win, you win. If you don't win, you shouldn't be, pra you shouldn't be praised for anything. That's how it feels, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with that, I think that I, I think I'm agreeing with you that, yes, you may not have won, but you tried. And I think we all need that kind of, you know, 
environment. I mean, I like to know that even if I didn't make that sale or I didn't get that client or I didn't write a number one book, I myself want to tell myself, but good for trying, good for giving it, you know, my best. Yes, and I think honoring trying does not take away from the challenge of of winning or handling winning or losing. I mean, I kind of seriously joke about in our modern culture, we live in the compliment desert. And so these moments of honoring and praise verbally stated and then inviting the young people to join in the moment of praise by asking a question, something like, what's one thing you like about what you just did or what you just accomplished? So that we're building in those moments are like an oasis right. in this this metaphorical desert of of compliments and and active verbal support. Right. I can abs I absolutely can see what you're saying. I think that's really important because we have to give them. We can't give them the words. We they have to be able to develop their own self esteem, and find the things that they like about themselves, mm -hmm. and then be praised for that. <clears throat> yes. Right. And this part about weaving them into the praise is very significant. Mm -hmm. So we can praise them to death and it won't matter if they don't engage and internalize right. what it is that they did mm -hmm. that is significant, pro-social, and will help them get on with their lives successfully. Right. It, it, you know, I have a four-year-old grandson. And he, uh, you know, I'll say to him, you know how smart you are? And he'll go, yeah, I'm really smart. And he is. And he's... His self-esteem, I feel, is really growing because he is encouraged to, you know, acknowledge what he's doing that's well, that's doing well. And, and I think that's for all of us. I don't think we, I don't think we, very many people give themselves enough credit and acknowledge themselves enough. Absolutely not. And I, I would be unable to resist the temptation to ask your grandchild, mm -hmm. what's one or what's one or two things you're doing that you end up knowing that you're smart, or what's one thing you just did that gives you the idea that, or the certainty that you are smart? Question mark. So let me ask you something because I there's, I have a lot of questions I want to ask you, but the first one comes to mind is how do you know how to construct the question? You begin constructing questions by shifting away from why. And then you use what and how questions in a general sense. And it's useful to know about open and closed questions. So if you want a yes or no answer, it's do you, don't you, do you plan to do your chores, don't you want to start your homework? So if it do you, don't you, will you, won't you, are yes, no answers. And they're not right or wrong. It's just if you know the purpose is to engage in a dialogue with your child rather than a one-word answer, then we want to ask open questions and typically how or what are the words to begin questions. And then it's useful to know to break questions down because as I ask more questions, we want the questions to be answerable so that young children especially are successful in answering questions. So this phrase or preface, what's one thing, is very useful practice as we're applying the methods to making the question more answerable. Greg, though, isn't the, isn't, don't you want to do your homework leading them? Yes. So is Absolutely. that, so that, is Absolutely. that the right thing to do or not? I don't say right or wrong. Okay. The point is to know your purpose. If your purpose is just to get a yes or no answer, it's fine. If you want to understand a little bit better about how they're thinking about and what they intend to do regarding chores or homework or friend making, then I want to ask different questions. Mm -hmm. Well, my head is, just, and I know because I, um, <laughs> I'm a big listener. That's one of my passions in in this this work and in my life is is really tuning in and listening. And I want to say for all of you out there that are listening, listen to the answers. Without just thinking of the questions, you, you could have 10 questions in your mind that you want to ask one after the other, but you have got to listen to the answer that you're getting. Because if you don't answer, you're not, it, the next question isn't going to be the right one. 
Go ahead, Greg. You want, I know you, your mouth's moving. Go ahead. Well, that's absolutely true. It's to the listening part absolutely matters that if we're asking quality questions and they're thought provoking and the child begins to answer, then we want to hear what they're answering because based on their answer, it will help guide what you do next as a parent. And so it really does matter that you're listening. And when you're asking open questions, the intention as a starting place is not the only thing you do, is to be a curious listener. You're choosing to be informed about how your child is thinking and deciding to run their lives. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's really cool when you do that and you can see the light bulb go off. I just want to remind everybody out there to please feel free. If you have a question, you have a comment, you'd like to engage with us, please feel free. You are welcome to at 919-518-9773. You can call in. If you've got a cell phone, landline, or you can come in on Skype, that'll be video, not a picture like Greg is on. I mean, audio, what did I say? I meant audio. You can't come in on video. Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, you can uh, call us on Skype at Computers2, that's the number 2K voice, or you can also join us in the chat and uh, put your name next to underneath the video, and you can come in there and certainly ask us questions in there. So, uh, where do you, do you want to talk about the EFT now, or, because I love that whole conversation, and I want to save lots of time for that. Well, so, let's do that, but I would like to say about yeah. this questioning part, and the, the point of my book, to ask more, tell less, is not a judgment about parents, it is a position to start with, and so we really do want to be asking questions, and I have, I was at a boat presenting at a book club locally recently about this book and there's the, some of the concerns from the readers were that this is too easy or you spent the last 30 years with this creative language like growing up or growing down or do you plan to practice friend making or friend losing how much longer you plan to practice ground looking and so those kinds of playful uses of language in the structure of questions I just want people to know that the other thing that I pay attention to is the how-to part. So the contents of what I'm teaching are practical and I talk about practicing. So simply trying to ask a question. Do you plan to grow up or grow down? Practicing that and understanding that practice makes progress and that we're so clear about practicing in the the world of physical skills and sports and music and art. We're much less clear in our modern world about the value of practicing thinking, behavior, change, or actual the way you're um, interacting with children and teens. So think, practice. There are many, many examples in what I'm writing about so you won't be stranded without any jumping off place for what kinds of questions could I ask. And the last section of my book is connected to a whole bunch of questions in certain areas like esteem boosting and learning, handling shyness and depression, etc. So before we get into the EFT, uh, what, is, what do you mean, what is ground looking? <laughs> well, I was many years ago now, to me, I was asked to meet with a teenager who was severely, I'm told, was severely depressed. And so I'm sitting with him in my office. He's 16 years old, and he is depressed in the sense of the observable behaviors, which is looking down, not really talking, being pretty silent. And at the same time, he had said that he was intending to learn how to drive. And so for the first time in nearly an hour session with him, thinking about him and driving, I chose to ask him, how much longer do you plan to practice ground looking? And he looked up and was kind of surprised. And for the first time he engaged and all of a sudden he said, I guess I'd have to look around at the world and look around at people if I'm going to drive. Mm -hmm. And so then we moved on from there. So it's 
that's simply a playful word choice because part of this engaging young people is to be playful and not have it be such an arduous, painful collision of wheels. Right. We can't have fun. Yeah, have a sense of humor. Amnon's got... Uh, yeah. along, along the same lines of ground looking, <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago in Germany, a uh, city installed traffic lights into the pavement because of that same... I'm serious. Because kids were walking with their phones the whole time and they would not look up to see if they can cross the road, street, or cannot. So they put the traffic lights into the pavement. You, wow. When you said that, the ground looking. That's, just very, that's yep. interesting, isn't it? Wow. So it was just a playful piece of language to try and interrupt a pattern of behavior and cause something different to happen. Surprise language, surprise interruptions are useful. And maybe there's more pragmatic uses given the story about <laughs> traffic lights and sidewalk. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's, a good, that's a good, interesting piece. It's, it's ridiculous. Which piece? That they're, <laughs> to, they're to put down? the traffic lights in, you know. I know. Yeah, and make kids make them look, look up. up. See the world. Right. See the world. You know, it's interesting because my son, my stepson, when he, um, he, has, he, had, he has ADD, and we did some therapy with him, some um, emotional therapy, like brainwave things. Well, it was interesting when it started to work because when it started to work, his head came up. You know, his head popped up. Yes. I mean, it was amazing what happened when that happened. It was like the light of day. It was so cool. So it does, it's, it's just amazing when the kid sees the light. Well, a, a very useful emotional self-management tool is to know that physical motion creates different emotion. Physical motion creates different emotion. So for a frustrated, depressed person literally raising their head or looking up or physically standing up. And as with you, same as with your stepson, that's that moment of awareness then. There's a knowing that something's different and I like it. Mm -hmm. It feels good. Yeah, it it's feels right. good. And that feeling of feel of that feeling of feeling good. Like when you said to that young man about the or the ground the ground looking. Or whatever, when, when, when we ask them questions and they feel yeah. that they are respected or they're being heard or they're being cared about or they matter because we're asking their opinion, that makes a difference. And even though they may not know what's happening in that moment, that feedback that they're getting from themselves, the more that we engage with them, the more they have that experience, the better they'll feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. The dignity and respect is a two-way street, and there's indeed honor and belief when you're asking these kinds of questions I'm talking about. Yeah, have faith in the answer. <laughs> if you ask a really good question, you don't even always have to have the answer. I yeah. teach parents about resisting the temptation to answer their own question in a moment of too long silence. Right. Well, you know, as a coach, you know, we, we, we have been taught early on, don't tell if you can ask. <laughs> right? That's my soapbox. That's mine, too. Don't tell. And it's hard. Let me tell you, it's hard when you think you have the answer, or even if you know you have the answer. It yes. is very hard to keep your mouth shut and allow the other person their journey. But... When, they find, when they're on their path and they find it themselves, then it's more etched in stone. It's more, a, a, it's more about them and it's more a part of them than it is when they're handed the answer. Thank you. I'm always reminded of the famous quote by Rousseau about people are much more persuaded by ideas that come into their own mind and by ideas that we try to put into their minds. So, absolutely. So kids must really like you. <laughs> Why do they really, what is it about you that parents can mimic? Well, actually, I've teased about, in the counseling world for 35 years, 
that I'm normal. So what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, what the heck does that mean? Normal in the sense of I'm approachable. I don't do a lot of lofty psychology and positioning. I'm paying attention to what can I do, ask, and teach that will help them live happier, better lives based on what they believe and what they want. And so that approachability, that honoring, and my unshakable belief in people revealing their I am a masterpiece status based on how I interact with them and how I listen and don't tell, etc. You're saying and it's fun. And you're saying they're the they're a masterpiece? That's a picture I have is that each human is a masterpiece. I my phrase for that is I'm looking for and in the world of problems and counseling, what I'm looking for is to see true nature is my language. I absolutely believe that we all have that, and I see it. I had someone tease me the other day, a colleague, that asked if I had ever not seen a remarkable child. And I had to chuckle and thought, I don't know that I ever have everyone's remarkable and I get to see more of that because what I'm watching for is looking past problems to see their true nature and be curious about how they were able to handle these very extreme challenges and right now I contract services at a child abuse clinic so certainly these methods are tested for whether or not they're practical and can help people young people be resilient and get on with growing up even though they may have been abused and neglected. I love you already. <laughs> because I do believe, and I've never said, use the word masterpiece, but I do agree with you 100% that anything is possible and with a, with a little bit of something, anything is possible. I mean, I've seen, you know, I taught special ed for a little while. It was the worst year of my entire life. <laughs> I taught middle school, and seriously, it was the worst year I ever had. However. Thank you for teaching. <laughs> I was a crazy person, I will tell you. I, <laughs> you know, was in advertising, public relations, doing things, and, but I didn't like it anymore. I was concerned with the way it was going down. It was, just didn't seem right. It didn't seem real. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I decided I got a college education. I'm going to go teach special ed. So they, of course, they wanted me. They'll take anybody that has a college degree for at least a year. You may not be able to stay forever, but they'll let you take a class if you, you know, lateral entry, they call it. So I went and I went into a not a great area here, but I figured I'm from New York. I can handle this. So I did. And it seriously was the worst year of my life doing any kind of work. But what I realized was <clears throat> that when it came to the IEP meetings, the, yes. right? And for those of you out there that may not understand that word or know about that word, it's the individual education program that uh, schools create with the parents for the child that has special needs, whether they're in mainstream or they're in special ed. And what, what bothered me that nobody was asking the right questions. That's what tipped the scale for me in my entire life, is that nobody was there directing traffic around the IEP meeting, which was with the school, the teachers, the parents, even the kids sometimes. Nobody was asking the right questions. So yes. the, the important information was not brought up. And I often... I, the title of my book that morphed, I, my original title was Ask, 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 because invariably I'd be sitting with adults in those meetings or in a parent meeting, and they'd be puzzling over and anguishing over good caring parents, yeah. trying to figure out the just right things to do and say to help their child. And I kept thinking, and I kept asking, have you asked your child yet? And invariably, that was a surprise. They hadn't thought to do that. And so, right. So, and the thing is, and, and I know, Greg, you've said this a couple of times, there is no blame here. 
we only know what we know. We don't really know what we don't know, what we haven't been shown, what we haven't been told, what we haven't been asked. We really don't know. But when you do see and learn a different way, then you are more able to, then, and, and you've said this also a couple of times, about the knowing. There's a knowing that when you start on this path, you will know the path is the right path for you. And your child will too. And sometimes it's just a matter of asking those right questions to clear the air. To Go ahead. Say it. Yes, and I have lived long enough to know there's no single path. Matter yeah. of fact, I've heard there are 100,000 paths to enlightenment. So <laughs> that is not attached to a single no, no, path. Only. No, no, <laughs> no. Exactly. And every child, everybody is different and everybody's path is different and all of that kind of stuff. So... But, but what we're talking about is most is very important. And so, Greg, before we go to the EFT subject, is there anything that we have left out about parenting, parenting to parent? That's another issue, you know, as a, you know, that might sometimes come up. But I don't want to leave any of this out. So is there anything well, I, else you can add? Thank you. I would just add, I mean, I was told the way I finished this book with someone the Ask More, Tell Less book, where someone said, don't try and put everything you know in the book. But at the same time, it's a ready resource. And for parents, what I'd like them parents to know is there's often advice or they read books and they look for the kind of books that an expert will tell them what kind of parent to be or what kind of parent they are. And imagine, based on what I've said so far in the show, my starting place with parents is to ask a question. And that is the question, what kind of parent would you like to be, question mark. And I just leave that question with them as a starting place, rather than me suggesting what they ought to be or telling them what they ought to do. Mm -hmm. And when they can answer that question, and then a question follow-up like, what's one or two things you could do right now to get started being that kind of parent, or let's notice how you already are being that kind of parent. So it's just in this foundation of question is not the only thing to ask, but it, I mean, the only thing to ask, mm -hmm. the only thing to do is not just ask, but that's a great starting place. So before we go on to the next piece, I just, I, I'm inclined to ask you this question. What is your, what is your, what is your dream? this work thank you very much because I've been saying I want people to catch the vision of self-reliant people skilled at mentally emotionally self-managing so I can see a calmer more peaceful world person by person as we share and practice mental and emotional self-management so thank you for the question, and I hope to um, inspire and at least pique curiosity about catching this vision, because the skills are practical and effective. They're time-tested. They work. And just I'm looking for open-minded parents and folks who want to join in that vision. Thank you very much. You are very welcome. All right, so take us into the EFT. Do you know about EFT? Yes. I do actually um, a little bit. I, so, I there's one, yes, but so it's standing ahead. for the the letters stand for emotional freedom technique. Created by Gary Craig, a gentleman named Gary Craig back in the nineteen, I think nineteen eighties, starting. So this is all under the umbrella of a newer field called energy psychology. And what all people have to know about that is about 40 years ago or so, the psychology field met the acupuncture system and began to notice, let's move away from only thinking and talking to paying attention to what's going on in the mind-body, what's going on with the intelligence of the heart, the intelligence of the stomach, and accessing the natural electromagnetic energy in our bodies for healing. And in a single sentence, the theory is when we have ongoing struggles, mentally, emotionally, physical, physically, that 
issue has more to do with blocked energy in your mind-body system than it has to do with lack of willpower or determination or a negative or bad attitude. So we can begin to teach people basically self-help acupuncture. No needles where you can physically tap or massage some chosen energy points, acupressure points in the acupuncture system, energy system, to move energy and clear, basically clear out trapped emotional energy so, so that you can function your best. So let me just tell everybody, I have heard EFT explained, uh, I can't tell you how many times. I want Greg to know that he just explained it better than anybody I have ever heard explain it. Thank you. I've, I started studying it in about 2000 because what's very useful for people to know is that in the world of counseling or in the world of motivation, achievement, and personal change, being able to relax your body and calm your mind matters. And I only teach methods that I personally use and that I find useful for most people. So as I get a bit nervous doing an interview like this, I mentally, emotionally prepare by tapping some acupuncture points, admitting feeling nervous, and then shifting. My focus today was to be clear-minded and have fun from start to finish during my chat with Marilyn. So part of that was me tapping acupuncture points. And if you're interested, we can show a little bit. Yeah, on I do. I, I Yeah, I do. Uh, are you familiar with heart math? I do know of heart math. Mm -hmm. I, I became a heart math um, licensed provider about nice. 14 years ago. So yes, yeah, so you're speaking a lot of my language. So I, I want you to demonstrate the tapping. But before you do, Explain why it's so important, and what is it about the clogged energy? Okay. So what we learn, and this is from the fields of trauma and abuse, from the fields of athletics where people struggle with slumping performances, as they say, but brain science teaches us that we think in words and our thoughts start in our brain, but they don't stay there. They're literally trans or changes into energy that goes into the body and we're also learning from brain science that what happens is the energy of the emotion sadness anxiety despair frustration etc can literally get locked in our bodies at a cell level and so thinking your way through it is I call remarkably inefficient at best and so we have these dependable methodologies now, one of them being emotional freedom techniques or EFT tapping or meridian tapping, it's called now, to help clear the body. And so if I'm working with a traumatized or abused youth, they can tune their mind into a traumatic emotional memory. And rather than talking about it and trying to think about it, because they're already in the emotional part of their brain, physically moving energy in their system helps clear out the trapped emotional energy. And it's hard to explain because I'm kind of shaking my head because it, we don't really have the language and it's not something you can see. But when you do it and actually directly experience that these young people in this example can recall the same event and it's now has no emotional charge to it so that they are in the clear, if you will, emotionally, so then they can think and decide better in their lives going forward. So just as a little caveat to what Greg is saying, and then Greg, you can correct, add to what I'm going to say, correct me, whatever. So energy gets get stuck in our body. And when we talk about a form of acupuncture, acupuncture opens up these, you think about your body and you think it has kind of like these veins and these tubes and these branches of things going through your body, things get stuck in those, those places. Acupuncture can clear those places up. Well, what Greg does with EFT and the tapping works on those same spots to kind of open them up so that the energy, because when things are bad, they just, they get, it's like they get thick and the things get stuck. 
and so when we tap them, we can tap them through. So, so visualize you tap a certain area on your body, on your head, whatever it is, and the things move. And so this, this energy that's been stuck and weighted down begins to have more like fluidity. And so you don't feel as heavy in certain parts. So go ahead, Greg. And I, a useful metaphor I learned some years ago is to think in terms of an energy circulatory system. So most people know you have a heart and you, have, you want oxygen-rich blood flowing from head to toe through your circulation system. So science has basically proven that we have an energy system, an energy circulatory system that runs through all your joints and muscles, body organs from head to toe, microtubules like little veins or arteries where this energy flows through and you want the lines open. Metaphorically, it's kind of like having a garden hose out all winter and you bring it out in the spring, hook it up, and when you first run water through it, it may not run a full stream of water. There may be little bugs or critters in the garden hose. As you move water through the line, it clears. And so physically tapping certain chosen points in the system helps the energy move through your system. So, for example, this is a excuse me, the end point to the bladder, energy line of meridian, gallbladder, stomach. So people who put a lot of stress in their stomach can tap this point both sides under their eyes and imagine getting some relief because you're moving natural electromagnetic energy primarily, although I'm taught there are some subtle energies, but it's opening up the lines. And we know when veins or arteries get blocked, bad things happen. So begin to think in terms of your energy circulation as well. So I tap these energy points every day. And by the way, it takes about one minute once you know these 14 points. So that's fast enough for the modern world too, I am told. Okay, so there are 14 points of 14 places, right? That you can touch how many times a day or how for how long a period of time would somebody perform that? Well, I just go around once. I have a routine once in the morning, and then I use it often during the day. If I feel frustrated, I may be caught doing this, feeling frustrated, feeling tired, feeling upset if that's what's happening. Or I choose to recover my energy and have a great next counseling session or be really <clears throat> work really effectively with the athletes. So... It just depends. You begin part of the practice is reading your body for relaxation or tension from head to toe. And so this is all I'm weaving this in with um, my counseling clients, young clients, mentally emotional self management, this one great tool, and then with the young student athletes, middle school, high school and college, they are very thankful to have something they can physically do to dependably relax. So what do you what Give us a, can you give us an example of something that had occurred, some story? I mean, maybe you can't because of your, you know, being a therapist, but is there a, a story you can share about the EFT process with, with one of these kids? Yeah, I can. You, there are a lot of stories from working with young athletes. Okay. And I, I'm a baseball aficionado and all baseball players, so I out and work with a lot of baseball players and one of the keys to this being useful is and I write in my all of my books what is the starting place for mentally emotionally self-managing and the answer to the question is self-honesty so when I tell myself the truth so if I have a young baseball player who's willing to admit I've lost confidence in my hitting so one did say to me the other day was hitting a baseball really well and then he's not hitting well and I asked the question when you tell yourself the truth what is one thought you're having about how you're playing and he said I've lost confidence in my hitting so the beauty of this technique is you don't change anything you take what the honest self-honest statement is and that's where you start it's not being negative it's just admitting that there's some doubt and loss of confidence, so it sounds like this. 
and these points are bilateral so you can tap both sides so I'm losing confidence so you just hold that mental focus losing confidence in my hitting losing confidence in my hitting losing confidence in my hitting and I'm just hitting these points so people can see the points there's a point near your collarbone and I don't know if people can see but there's a very important point on your sternum over your thymus gland that boosts your immune system there's a point under your on your ribs and then there's a point underarm four inches down from your armpit and people tease and the kids tease and then a lot of practitioners EFT practitioners have cut off the hands but their hand points they're very important because they connect to for example a nice shortcut to relax is to tap the thumb point Greg let me ask you something <clears throat> do you have to have been is there is there is the effect of build up over time or can you do this start doing and feel feel something immediately often people feel something immediately and I don't want to overstate it or oversell it but you'll begin to feel some energy moving and so that um, I, it's important for people to know if there's kind of tingling or sensations in their body that's a sign that the energy start energy lines are starting to open if you will mm -hmm. and there's some natural again it's natural energy healing in nature inside our body so those you're moving energy so the kind of sensations or if a point is tender or sore it's just a clue that that energy line's not as open as it could so just quickly a shortcut if people want to relax I teach young student uh, athletes or students taking tests thumb right by the side of the thumb and inside little finger this is the meridian or energy line to your lungs off your thumb little finger inside is energy line to your heart so this smooths out heart rate and breathing pretty instantly so imagine a, a young mother coming in to meet with me in my counseling office her child's been abused and she's so distraught she can't talk and she's mad at herself for crying I just will say please just do this with me tap your thumb and inside your little finger and most all of the time like 90 plus percent as heart rate and breathing smooths out then our thinking brain comes back online and we can have a conversation that's very cool so you know I want to I want you to talk to us about your book and where they find you and your website but I'm also going to make a quick suggestion before we even do that you know I'm part of a I have a practice at, um, in a psychiatrist practice as a business and life coach amongst therapists and psychiatrists and a lot of them specialize in sports psychology yes. and psych, uh, psychology and psychiatry and we do a newsletter every month and I'm gonna you know suggest that maybe you um, write a little column for the next one or you know something about your book and I'll talk I'd to you love, about that yeah thank you I'd love to do yeah. that I'll talk it's to you kind about of that. tricky it's a little bit tricky territory but I in the sense of um, I've had to demystify a little bit about what sports psychology is in the sense of... Well, we're open-minded. Oh, yes. So don't worry about it. Okay, so tell us about your website and where we would find you and what books we're going to find when we find you and all that good stuff. Yes, thank you very much for that opportunity. <clears throat> I have two websites. One website, they're both active. They're all free access. Greg Warburton, just simply my name, gregwarburton.com is a sports performance mental training based website and there's some aspects of eliminating self-defeating behavior that I, from a college course that I taught for a lot of years. So all this work is about mastering mental emotional self-management, relaxing your body, calming your mind so that you can perform your best in whatever walk of life you're engaged in so gregwarburton.com there are two books I have a copy of my fast start guide on that website titled Warburton's winning system as I was coached to let go of 
the humility practice by my editor and test drive some promotional efforts. So this is the fast start guide. So this book is available on Amazon as a print book and ebook, and then the main book, Warburton's Winning System, Tapping and Other Transformational Tools for Mental Training for Athletes. Both those books are on that website and they're available on Amazon as a print book and an ebook, a Kindle book. Then my new website is selfreliantkids.com, all one word, selfreliantkids.com. And on both these websites, I'd like people to know, since we talked about EFT, there's an EFT, Emotional Freedom Techniques, page with demonstrations, hand-rendered illustrations of the location of the points, and some brief tutorials on um, how to use EFT. On the, and then my newest book, this book titled Ask More, Tell Less, a practical guide for helping children achieve self-reliance is available on Self-Reliant Kids website and is also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, print book, Kindle book. And the reviews about this book, I just want to mention, I met my goal for something useful, practical, and immediately available, simple, practical methods that work and that help parents become more self-reliant and confident. So I appreciate knowing that. Um, the other thing I'd mention is if you just Google my name, Greg Warburton, and or add in sports performance or self-reliance, there I also have some YouTube videos. I'm practicing my stage career, but um, the videos are useful, and I think I'm getting better at being on on stage, on film, if you will. So there's information available. Greg, I just noticed a question that I want to ask you really quick and it's a, just give a, if you can, a quick answer because this is a good one and it's one I just saw on the chat. Um, what what question would you ask a preteen who refuses to do his homework but cannot articulate why? So I would ask a question like, what have you made up your own mind to do about the homework trouble. Or I might ask, is this something you want help with or do you want to handle it on your own question mark? Or I might ask if you all of a sudden get clear minded and for one second you know what the challenge is with your homework, what's one thing it might be? Question mark. Question mark. Okay. So that's a really good answer. So Thank I you. yeah, I really appreciate that. So I I really appreciate your being here today with us because I really think that some a lot of what we spoke about today are not always the same are always things that that are focused in on as big as you are in the world of therapy in in with children and cuz they, you know, they they have a lot of the answers, and if they don't have the answer, at least the question will help them dig for an answer. Absolutely. Right? So give us a closing, a closing line, a closing thought from you. So what I would like people to know is practice, practice, practice. These methods are available, and as you practice them and develop your own self-reliance, then life shifts and changes and especially with your children, imagine it being pleasurable rather than a painful collision of wills. So give yourself, give them much practice, enjoy, and have fun. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Marilyn. I appreciate it very much as well. It's been a real honor, and I'm going to get back with you about this other piece that I want you to do. I will look forward yeah. to that adventure. Absolutely. And everybody, <laughs> it's gonna, everything's an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Asking, listen, that's a great. Asking questions is an adventure. Think of right? an adventure as, as an investigative reporter. You just got to get the story. Absolutely. Exactly. You're getting Judgment story. free. Judgment free. Absolutely. No right or wrong. Just a masterpiece. Yes. So thank you, Greg, for being here. And thank you all for being here and enjoying the show with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. 
Have a fabulous week, and let me know at Marilyn at MarilynShannon.com if I can be of any help to you at all. With that, see you soon. Bye. You're tuned to the Nissan Communications Network. Our weekly lineup of call-in programs includes Computers 2K Now with Omnon Nissan, My Life, My Will with Gisela DiCarlo, The Tanya Love Show, Help Then with Debbie Brooke, Breaking Free with Marilyn Shannon, Triangle Be Well with Howard Jacobson, Lunch and Learn with Rabbi Yisrael Cutler, Lessons of Vietnam with NCVVI members, Parent Dome with Ryan Miller, Current Affairs with Omnon Nissan. And if you tuned in too late, you can always watch each program in its entirety or download an MP3 audio file of it in the archive section on nissancommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Atomos.com, makers of quality video recorders and converters, CarolinaApparel.com, and DeltaForce.net. <laughs>